0: Welcome to Stress-Free IEP, you do not need to do it all alone, with your host Francis Schefter, Principal of Schefter Law. You can get more details and catch prior episodes at www.shefterlaw.com. The Stress-Free IEP video podcast is also posted on YouTube and LinkedIn, and you can listen to episodes through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Now here's the host of stress-free IEP, Frances Schefter.
1: Hello everyone. And welcome to the show. Today's special guest is Gabrielle Saja, and I'm going to have her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself.
2: Frances, thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here and be with everyone who's watching and listening. So my name is Gabrielle Saja, and I'd like to just tell you how I came to be really engaged with helping kids. I teach teenagers, young people, and also adults, how to stay connected with their body so that they can focus more effectively so that they can calm themselves when they're feeling stressed. And most importantly, so they can feel good about themselves when they're out in social situations or with their families so my journey as an educator and a healer actually started in one of my favorite places the school library and i've always thought that school libraries are just very special and so for a career day writing assignment i found a book in the library called so you want to be a physical therapist And there was something in this book that I read about the alchemy of scientific inquiry, problem solving, and then helping people from the perspective of their own values and individual lifestyles. So after I got out of PT school and I came here to Washington, DC, I was working as a PT and I injured myself. And despite excellent medical care, I was still having trouble getting better. I was in pain all the time. And I was introduced to a mind body education paradigm called the Alexander Technique. And I started to have lessons. And from the very first lesson, I was just amazed. I felt strong and grounded, but I also felt really calm and at ease. And I wanted this, I wanted more of this for myself. And I also wanted this for my students and my patients.
1: So how, to, so, like, how is it different? Like how, you know, cause you hear physical therapy and everybody thinks the same thing, but how is the Alexander technique different?
2: So the Alexander technique is an educational model and it's a mind body educational model and physical therapy is a healthcare care profession where we assess what's not working. And then we figure out how we're gonna help that body part or what the movement issue is not work. There are, there's a lot of education to being a physical therapist, but the Alexander Technique is a very specific body-mind education paradigm that supports focus, It helps quieten the mental chatter. It teaches us how to release physical tension so that we feel supported in our body so we're actually activating our postural mechanism so there's a lot of overlap which is why being a physical therapist and an alexander technique teacher is a really helpful combination um, because we support other modalities but what's really great is the educational perspective and the alexander teacher seeks to help enhance the student's connection with their body and tap into their own wisdom. Physical therapists do things to people and it's not that people are passive, they're exercising, they're doing things, but the Alexander Technique is building us up from the inside, which is very different and very powerful. And that's how we develop agency.
1: That is wonderful. I, I love that because it's more its more the mind shift. It's, it's getting the money and connecting. Um, you know, I do, I'm thinking back to when I was in law school and my mom, my mom and I always had a connection. And so I would be able, I would call her before every exam and you know, like she would be right. able to help me calm down and release yes. the energy. Um, so yes. it's it, is it, so do you meet one-on-one like a therapist or how does it work when you provide services?
2: So there are a lot of different ways that Alexander technique teachers work. We do see students and I want to emphasize that, when one is taking alexander technique lessons one is a student they're not a patient because it's a very active participation so yes we teach students in individual lessons we teach group workshops and we can teach group workshops both and individual lessons both online and in person Um, in what what is happening in the uk and what my colleagues and i here in the united states are trying to do is bring Alexander Technique principles into the school curriculum, into everyday academics, because if we think about early development, we learn with our bodies. I mean, early learning is this rich sensory motor feast, right? We're putting things in our mouth. We're looking at shiny objects. We stick our feet in our mouth. We're crawling around our homes. And so we're learning about ourselves. We're learning about the world through our senses, through movement. And then something really odd happens. We go to school, well, preschool, not so much, but even in kindergarten, we start sitting in a chair.
1: Yep.
2: And all of a sudden this strange dichotomy, it's a false dichotomy gets set up that says academics and learning are separate from our bodies and movement. Phys Ed is often not body education or body, mind education. It's athletics and fitness and And not all kids, not all kids want to do sports. Recess is really important because we get to run around and release all that, all that extra energy we have. But what if we could be in touch with our bodies while we're sitting at our desk, while we're listening to our teacher? You know, in the same way that, you know, you were able to call your mom before these huge exams in law school. Well, what about when you're sitting there in your desk in the classroom? Or in front of the computer? How do we calm ourselves down? And so the Alexander principles give us an in the moment way to connect with our body to release the tension. And most importantly, to think more clearly.
1: That is so amazing. Cause I know like on a lot of IEPs, especially with our children that get dysregulated emotionally is that right. teach the coping skills and fine. Great. You teach a coping skill, but in the reality, when, when the child's dysregulated, if they're to that point of full dysregulation, the coping skills are not going to help because their, their brain isn't there at that point. So I'm assuming with the Alexander technique, it, I guess you teach, you help them find their triggers to help notice them, to put the calming strategies before they get dysregulated. Is
2: that We all get dysregulated. <laughs> <clears throat> They're gonna get dysregulated. I mean, it's, it's the nature of kids that need accommodations. It's the nature of kids that are, <clears throat> excuse me, wired differently. You know, if you think about it, there's this ongoing conversation happening in the background. And our frontal cortex is trying to manage that. You know, our blood is pumping, our, our muscles are moving. There's all kinds of distractions that are happening. If we're relying too much on mental strategies without connecting our body. Then these kids do get overwhelmed and all of these wonderful things that they're learning from other health professionals and mental health professionals, um, they have trouble accessing those. So if we learn to just pause and stop for a moment and find our feet on the floor and in a very specific way, activate our internal support mechanism, we calm down immediately. I mean, we calm down immediately. So we actually learn how to moderate this ongoing sensory motor conversation that's happening in the background. I mean, we don't know it's there. But you know what's amazing is kids know when they get off. I mean, kids know when they're feeling stressed.
1: Yep, one hundred percent they do. My daughter the other day said she did a mental health day, (laughs) and I was like, "Mm, "That's right, not today." (laughs) But yeah, because it's just over overwhelmed and too much. and you know, it's, I know she knows it. My daughter goes and hides in little small, she likes the little tight places. So when she's overwhelmed, overstimulated, she goes into little yes. tight places, but I'm assuming this would be a great skill for her also to help tap in and calm herself down. I love that. I'm just thinking through like, so yeah. how long? like, I like, you know, I'm thinking like mind, body, like how much do you need to know intellectually? Where do you need to be to understand the techniques?
2: So, can we think about your daughter and what she did when she needed her mental health day to answer that question? Uh huh. So, you said two things. She goes into tight spaces. Yep. So, she's trying to protect herself, she wants comfort. But the thing is, mom wants her to go to school. Right. (laughs) But she needs to go to school. So, there's this tug of war, right? And so, if your daughter—and what's your daughter's name?
1: Hannah.
2: Hannah. So, if Hannah is has a moment to just stop, and so, okay, ask herself, "Am I seeing?" And if you, as her mom, can look around and say, "Okay, are you seeing? Am I seeing? Am I breathing? Could I be soft and tall?" So right away, we're connecting with our body and we're shifting the locus of control internally. And we're helping Hana feel safe because we can't learn unless we feel safe. Obviously she has a safe home. Her room and the classroom are safe and the school is safe and she lives in a safe neighborhood. But this neurological safety is happening in the deeper parts of our brain that are not part of our regular everyday conscious thinking. But if we use a very simple stop or pause and just engage our senses and seeing and breathing are linked to help calm down our nervous system. I mean, there's science that proves that when we Pay attention to, am I seeing just asking the question, am I breathing? And then for longer, younger kids, we might say, you know, at five or six or seven, we might say, can you let your head go up like a floaty balloon? And can you let your shoulders be like soft ice cream? So they're right away able to comfort themselves. And that you can sense. do this all day long. Yeah. So, so we teach these skills to kids that are four and five. And at that age we say, oh, well, we're going to help you learn how to be the boss of your body.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, kids like to move. They want to be connected with their body.
1: Well, and they also want to be the boss of something. So, yes. you know, like, like <laughs> yes. I know, you know, I know yeah. mob of young kids, like kids the hardest time parenting is feeding your children and getting them to go to bed. Cause those are the two things that you can't really force them to do. It's right. Only things they truly have control of. So to that's teach right. them that they can be a boss of their body, I'm sure that's gotta do wonders right. just in that mental space.
2: So at breakfast, you could say, okay, everybody's going to just pause for a moment. And before we dive into our breakfast am i seeing (sighs) am i breathing can i let my head go up like a floaty balloon and let my shoulders be like soft ice cream and then there's a quieting that can happen and then they can kind of hear that they're hungry or they're going to be better able to hear their parents say, okay, you need to eat and then you need to get ready for school. And even if everybody's running late because mornings can be so frenzied and there's a lot happening. There's lots of people. There's a lot of moving parts to the morning. Um, You know, learning how to just stop, see, breathe, floaty balloons, soft shoulders. You can do that in motion. You can keep going. But if we begin to teach this to kids at simple activities, and we often think about teaching this to kids for transitions, sitting down to study, sitting down to eat breakfast, maybe before brushing their teeth. I mean, that's another one, right? Getting, trying to get kids to brush their teeth, right?
1: Although I have a trick for that one. It's okay. You don't have to brush your teeth. That just means we can throw away all the candy, and all the ice cream, and milk is probably not good because they rot your teeth. So, you know, what's your choice? Right. Yeah.
2: Right. Brush. <laughs> and, that works. and that works. Right. Yeah. And then, as far as going to bed, if we help them calm themselves and quieten themselves, then again, they're in charge. They're learning to shift the locus of control to themselves. And then of course, for older kids who are out in the world, they're being inundated with all kinds of messaging, the academic and social demands are increasing. So some of them might like to think about being the boss of their body. But at that point, we're talking about really negotiating with or navigating their day and figuring out how to make the best choices for themselves figuring out how to use their energy because most teenagers are exhausted all the time. Oh, yeah. Their brains, their brains are running really, I'd like to say 25, eight in a 24, seven period.
1: Yep. And
2: so how did they focus and, and settle down?
1: And I love that you say transitions. Cause that's with IEPs and younger children transitions, there's almost always with every child, the hardest thing, you know, going from a preferred activity to a non-preferred or, you know, even from a non-preferred to a preferred, it's just that, that change. And I can see how bringing calmness to it just sets you up for the next activity nicely.
2: It is. And that calmness comes from being connected with our body. I mean, right now, if you and I and everybody that's watching and listening, if we just notice that our feet are on the floor. And then be aware of the space above your head. So that when we ask ourselves to see and to breathe, and we think about our head floating up into that space. And of course, all of this describing it is taking longer than what would actually happen in the moment as you're going from that transition from the activity that they want to do to the activity that they don't want to do.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking it's, I'm thinking back to my teaching days also. And I remember when I went back from my master's in special ed and how they were teaching all these techniques that why don't regular ed teachers do this? And I'm just thinking if in the classroom as a teacher, I mean, even your whole class, just sit with the class. Okay, we're going to get ready for the next activity. Put your right. feet on the, You know, just set the stage and That's then right. move on. It would That's be right. so amazing for everyone.
2: That's right. And, and what we're doing is we're teaching kids how to learn. Remember, we learn with our bodies from the moment we're born. And we're constantly taking in information. And the thing is, is when we get to play all day, life is very simple because mom and dad are taking care of everything or mom and mom and dad and dad, they're taking care of everything. And so as we get older though, we do have to take on more responsibility for our learning and we do have to take more responsibility. So how do we figure out how to juggle all of this different stuff happening? And if we learn how to learn with our bodies, then Everybody's sitting in the classroom at the same time. Teacher says, Are you seeing? Are you breathing? Can you be soft and tall? We call this the ready list. You know, I had one 13 year old student that I was working with online, and he used the ready list before exams. And he said he felt relaxed and ready, and then always felt confident that he was going to do well on the exam. Yeah.
1: it it does make a difference. It makes a huge difference walking into your mindset, walking into an exam. And it was the one thing that was coming up to my mind is I remember it was a long time ago, I think that there was a study done about um, reading in connection with crawling. Like if you skipped crawling and went straight to walking as a child, you would most likely have difficulties with reading. And they did a study that Even as an older child, if you go back and crawl for a while, it would connect, which was just so interesting because it sounds like it's the same type of thing. It's the connecting the body with the learning.
2: Yes. And actually you're talking about really important developmental milestones. And a lot of kids that need accommodations that either have IEPs or 504s, they perhaps either at the beginning when they were born or later on as they grow, Some of those developmental milestones may have been delayed. They might've happened too soon. They might've not happened at all. And these developmental milestones, again, sensory learning, motor learning, social, psychological, those are all linked. Crawling is a very important, really basic developmental activity to do. And so actually what a lot of physical therapists and occupational therapists do, and, and I work with this also, is help these reflexes. These are postural dynamic reflexes like the grasp, crawling, pulling ourselves up to begin to stand and walk. All of those are related to learning. So the grasp reflex is also about fine motor control. It's also related to hand eye and hand mouth coordination. So, what we can do is we can help integrate those reflexes. And I do this even with adults, not only kids. Um, but what's really exciting is when you combine the two, I have a 19 year old student whose name is Noah, and he came in to see me for coordination issues and a lot of sensitivity to touch. And um, some people might know this as tactile touch sensitivity or hypersensitivity. And when, when a child doesn't feel safe in their own skin, again, it's hard for them to calm down and learn. So as we were doing some of these tactile activities to help integrate these really important reflexes, he was really going into a startle so much. So we taught him the ready list. And then what happened is because he's 19, he's got a good brain. It's just this, this other sensory motor stuff is, is just kind of one of his vulnerabilities. And so he would learn to stop and see and breathe. And can I be soft and tall? And then we, and then he would say, ready list ready. And then I could do the intervention and the activity. And over time, He's learning to do this when he feels anxious in situations out in the world and anxious. Imagine. That's right. Transitions
1: That's right. hallways, uh, you know, any group events. Yes. Know.
2: Yes. I have a number of students who talk about how overwhelmed they feel in the hallway. So where in that busy hallway can they stop? You can think this as you're moving through that crowd of people, It might be when you walk into the classroom, or it might be when you sit down, maybe walking through the hallways is really jangling to their nerves. So, okay, they sit down, class is not yet started, ready list, or maybe when they're in the stairwell, or maybe, you know, even tell kids, you know what, when you go into the bathroom in the middle of the day, you can use your ready list. I mean, let's use some, we attach this to just everyday activities.
1: So it's not, it's not waiting till the dysregulation. It's keeping it's yes. just keeping you in touch.
2: Yes. So that if we're practicing it as we're going through our day, then when we really need it and when we're really feeling stressed, then we can call upon it and it's more easy to call upon it.
1: Because it's natural, it's habit. You probably don't even realize you're calling upon it at some point. That's right. You know, it's just you naturally do it.
2: That's, That's right. So awesome. and- and habits can really interfere with ourselves. I mean, how many kids have we seen? I'm the like worst. That? I know it. I'm well, the worst we all do. So, what's happening here is I'm cutting off my breathing. There's a lot of tension in my shoulders. And so, then what do we do? Well, we ask kids to sit up straight, or they think, oh, I need to sit up straight. And then they sort of do this holding thing. Right. Well, you can tell that now my voice is getting a little crackly because now there's a lot of tension in my voice. But if I stop doing that and I feel my feet on the floor and I can let my head float up and I can let my shoulder soften. Now I'm breathing better. And when we're breathing better, we're automatically moving into a place of self-regulation. And when kids feel a sense of agency and self-efficacy, I mean, it's the gift of a lifetime. Oh yeah. Then then they the can kids, settle down then they're so in many charge. A,
1: right. Cause so many adults can't even do it. And if you learn this at such oh, a young sure. age, I can imagine, <laughs> like, I can yes. imagine what these kids that learn it, what they're going to be like as adults, if they already have that self-regulation, um, ability,
2: um, Right. Right. And that's why it would be great if teachers have even these basic skills, because then they can manage the classroom. I mean, if kids, whether they're sitting in a circle in kindergarten or first grade, or whether everybody's getting ready for a test, you know, the first couple of days of spring are going to be coming along and these warm days, kids are going to be wanting to run around and be outside. Right. But they've got to be indoors or that transition in September when nobody wants to be in. Right. Again, these, life transitions school transitions so if a teacher can come into the classroom and say okay everybody or in the middle of a class or in the middle of a story okay we're gonna pause and just use the ready list seeing and breathing and soft and tall
1: yeah it's like i'm thinking about it because you don't even have to single out our children that dysregulate more often and that have the IEP. You're doing it yeah. for a whole class. And I am just thinking through on how helpful that is. Because one of the issues I have often with my children with um, accommodations is they don't want anybody to know. And so, how can the teacher, you yeah. know, tell them yep. and remind them to get on task without anybody else knowing? And so if the right. teacher does something like this with the whole class, it's taking care of the IEP goal without signaling the child out and it's beneficial to all.
2: That's right. That's right. And that's, that sense of belonging is so important. And that's another example of how these Alexander principles through something like the ready list can help a child feel good about themselves and have compassion for themselves. You know, everybody has different versions of success and kids that have IEPs their version of success might be different from kids that don't have IEPs. And so how do we help kids be the best that they can be?
1: right and that's, not, that's yeah, the and, and not now, make them feel different. I mean that's a right. thing. like I, I it's the longer I've been doing this and the more I see like we say IEPs it's you know they need the support and kids start thinking that they're broken. That they're not the same as everybody else because they need these yeah. supports and it's so hard because once you get that mentality to get you out of it is so challenging um i'm assuming there's more techniques obviously you're not teaching us all the techniques but that there's more techniques but this is like the base where you start
2: this is a really good place to start and we call it the ready list and the ready list isn't straight alexander technique principles but it's based upon the principles of the alexander technique which really are about postural support and easy breathing. And of course, if we're supported in our muscles and our bones and we're breathing well, then we can concentrate well, then we can feel well. I mean, we all know what it feels like to feel stressed. Some of us, it's muscle tension. Kids will get butterflies in their stomach or they'll get headaches and so when we start with these more general principles, then either in a workshop setting or in a school setting where you're learning skills over the course of time, or you're having an individual session, then you really can take a deeper dive. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Now, Francis, you work with IEP meetings and parents also, right? Yes. So this is a way also that parents can use this skill to navigate the whole realm of how do I get an IEP for my kids? What do I do when I'm sitting in a meeting and Frances is there and she's right with me and I know she's got my back, but I'm feeling overwhelmed by everything that's coming at me from the team. Right? So a parent, a parent can use these skills too.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So I, you know, the name of the show is stress-free IEP. And the reason I right. came up for it is I always say, like, if you've been to an IEP meeting, stress-free and IEP don't match, but that's the whole point. That's why I say to come to me, like, cause I'm there. I'm going to take the stress for you. Not necessarily take the stress, but you know what? I'm going to take it off your shoulders. You can be the parent, right. but you can mentally know that. And if your right. body's not connected, you're just going to still, I can see that of just,
2: right,
1: right. but bring it down.
2: So they know before and they know after, Francis has my back. In the moment when that fight or flight response starts to get triggered, they can stop and use the principles of the ready list. And then they remember Francis is there and they remember your support. And what they're doing is they're slowing down the process because you know that, they're the most important people in the room with all of the teachers and counselors and and you and so they then become more in charge of their bodies then they can not only take in the information but then they can ask the questions that are most important to them
1: yeah and not get as emotional which i tell the parents get emotional um because it's hard sitting there hearing about you know your children and what's going on and stuff but i can see that when you get in that emotional phase you know, all of us get stressed out and we're not thinking clearly. And then we leave the meeting and like, oh my God, why didn't I do this or do that or the other? And with using this technique, it brings you here and focused to be able to ask everything you want to ask and get all the questions answered and, um, put in your input. Cause I, yeah, I say that all the time. The parent, the most important person is the child who's not always mm-hmm. in the room, but that's what the focus should be. But right. the person that knows the most about the child is the parent. I don't care. Everybody else might have more education, but the parent is the one that knows the most about the child and needs to give the most input. That's
2: right. And if a parent is able to come from a place of internal support, I mean, really being grounded in their body, grounded in their chair, aware of their muscles and their bones, but in a way where they're releasing tension. Then they feel good about their participation in the meeting and they're not moving into that place of self doubt. And, and that's very empowering. And then when parents feel empowered, they're meta communicating that to their kids. Right. Because if kids they're... come home from school and they're dysregulated, well, if a parent can just kind of stop and calm and quiet themselves, their kids are going to quiet down.
1: Yeah. It's so I, I think I just thinking back and like how parents will yell at kids to quiet them down. It's like, you're not modeling. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're telling, you're telling kids to do what you say, not what you do. But then, you know, kids, it's got to confuse them. I'm sure. Cause kids want to be their parents.
2: Well, and it's, it's inevitable. It's so normal to get frustrated as a parent and, you know, parents don't necessarily have all the support that they need. I mean, let's, I mean, that's like a whole nother conversation, right? But (laughs) for, for a parent to feel supported in their moment, they might blow their top, but then they know if they've been practicing some of these principles, they can practice these principles at a stoplight, washing their hands, sitting at the breakfast table, making a meal. Then when everything starts to fall apart, kids go into meltdown. I mean, we adults have little meltdowns, right? We More can stop ones. <laughs> yep. at any moment of the day. We can just pause. We can stop.
1: Yeah. And I'm and we, just thinking yeah. I was just thinking through, like, even when you like, I know when I've you know blow my top before and I lose it, I I stop myself sometimes, like, what am I doing? Like, this isn't helpful. And yeah. I using that technique now, like usually I'll just calm myself down, but it's basic, it's that technique.
2: And, and when we say, what am I doing? It's a little, it's a little bit unkind. You know, right. I, I had a student who said that when they use the ready list, they felt like it was a kindness. They, they used the word friendly. Oh, nice. I loved that. And if we're being oh, friendly with ourselves, it's okay. If we blow our top, right. it's okay, because. Why? I mean, I often like to say, how could you not under these circumstances? (laughs) Exactly. And so this happens, life happens, things go up, things go down, things go to the side. We fall apart at any moment. We can gather ourselves back together. Yeah. And so we might be saying to ourselves, am I seeing, am I breathing a gazillion times a day? But it's helpful. Yeah.
1: I can see where it is because it, it just grounds you. I mean, it's, it's kind of almost like, um, I know we used to say to go walk barefoot in the grass to ground yes. you a little,
2: right. I love that. that sense. I love walking with my feet in wet grass. It's yep. cold but at the same time calming again, because we're tapping into that whole body experience of learning. And, and when we have our feet in that grass grass, we're, We're reminding ourselves of our body. And when we do that, we feel safe and we need to feel safe in order to learn. And in order to be who we are out in the world, you know, I had a little girl, sometimes kids come to me for physical injuries. And I had a little girl who had some hand-eye coordination issues. She had trouble handling a knife. She had trouble turning a key in the lock. She didn't like to tie her shoes. And it was very interesting because she's super smart. She has the energy of like four puppies. And whenever we started to do some sort of activity for her fine motor control, she would ask questions. She was very good at wanting to distract and avoid, right? Kids do yeah. this. They have all these Always. very ingenious yeah. ways of distracting when they don't want to do something they don't they don't want to do, right? Right. And so I started to teach her the ready list. And at first she did not like it. Of course not. she she did not like it. But one day she came in and she said, you know, I don't like using the ready list, but I can tell it helps me. Aww. And that was a breakthrough because it was just gentle repetition, gentle repetition. And over time she was able to get used to it. And I think it's because we're not hitting kids over the head. Right. You know, we're saying to themselves, you can do this. You can see, you can breathe, you can do this. Right. And that's what we want. We want to build our kids up and help them feel confident in themselves.
1: Yeah. And it's again, teaching them to do something, not, not looking for it external, like people will say, go listen to calming music, you know, things like that, but that's something external. This is something you don't need anything else. You yourself can do it. With it.
2: And Nothing. how do you, and how do you go listen to calming music when you're in the middle of the playground? Exactly. Or you're, you know, maybe you've got some accommodations for a test. And even though you have those accommodations and you might be in a different room and they're, you know, you might have a different setup, you still get nervous. Yeah, still, it, you know, and so in that moment, we're just we're just kind of on our own. And we know our teacher is there, and they're pulling for us. And we know whatever we do on this exam, mom and dad are going to be okay. But ultimately, we want to feel good about ourselves. Yeah.
1: And that we can do it for ourselves. That's the other thing that's so important. Yeah. We don't need to do it for yeah. anybody else but ourselves.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, I like I like that idea that you said that when kids need to feel that they're part of the group, you know, I mean, we say kids are special and we say that they're exceptional and they are and every single child is, but the fact of the matter is some kids need accommodations. Some kids have IEPs. And so how do we help them feel like they're one of a crowd? I really appreciate how you were pointing that out, Francis.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's it's important, especially as the children get older and they start seeing differences. And I I usually try to get my IEPs and 504 plans written to to not single them out. Like even when we put in a a dedicated aid or a one-on-one, we put it in the way that they're not supposed to sit directly next to the person. Just kind of be in the outside of the room, available if needed, or to pull the child into other students when they can tell they need extra support. So it's not making them different. Um, right. Although different is good. You know, I used to say that all the time, we're all unique in our own ways. We
2: mm-hmm. all have
1: our strengths and weaknesses. Some mm-hmm. just need a little extra support.
2: And how do we celebrate those differences? That's exactly. right. Thanks. And, you know, having that person in the room, the child knows kinesthetically that they're there, right. So they're still using their body to sense the connection with that person. That's there in the room. So they don't have to have them sitting right next to them. They can be in the, in the local environs. And again, that child is still connecting through that kinesthetic awareness. of their body sense that their person is there. Right. Yeah. I could talk to you all day. I think this is so fascinating.
1: Yeah. And so like, I love this it's, it's, there's so much information and, and this technique is I'm so glad we met so that I could learn about it. Cause again, you know, my way too many years, I'm not gonna go into that in the education world as teacher and as an um, attorney, I haven't heard of this before. And I think it's so important that parents hear about this, that it's out there and available, not only for their children, but for them, because I believe you said you yes. all ages. Right.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you know, this is um it it's just a very simple and accessible way of helping ourselves feel good. You know, it supports academic focus and it also helps engender that really important sense of agency. And that's important for parents. I mean, if a parent is feeling stressed out about their IEP meeting, then they've got to go back to work or they've got to go home and navigate all this stuff on the computer associate. I mean, there's all this stuff. And so how do we navigate the craziness and the busyness of the world? So yeah, parents can use this too because they have transitions that they've got to make. Work, parent, classroom, kids, their own self-care.
1: Right, yeah, that's awesome. And so I know you're gonna be a keynote speaker, I believe coming up soon.
2: PG County public schools, their special education department is having their first autism summit day on April 15th. And there's a morning and afternoon of terrific workshops. And so what's exciting about that is any, everyone is welcome to attend. You don't have to be from PG County, but that's going to be more of a mini workshop presentation. So that's going to be experiential where we can really learn about the mechanisms of stress and how stress is in the body and then how we can use our body to counter the impact of stress. And then for 12 years, I believe, PG County has been running um, a larger conference and it's now virtual and that's going for six weeks. And I will be doing also an experiential workshop on May 18th with them. And that's another wonderful, um, my gosh, there must be 20 presentations over the course of six weeks in the evenings after school for parents to attend about all things educational.
1: And I, I'm i assuming there's a link to register or something of that sort.
2: Yes. Or is it and just I show can, up? There is. Um no, I can I can send you the link and we can we can put that in the chat.
1: I was yeah. gonna say we'll put it in the show notes. Um if yeah. you send us the link okay. and make sure it's yeah. out. So if you're listening, look for the link and join because it's I'm gonna go see if my, oh i am in a wedding that day. <laughs> April 15th, my cousin's getting married.
2: Well, that's <laughs> so, exciting. That's a wonderful, yes. joyful event. Oh, wonderful, yes. Princess. That's it's great. okay to
1: miss that one. Yeah. But uh, great. it sounds wonderful. I mean, because, you know, it, at any age, we never stop learning and growing. It's so important. That's um, right. So, and then right. how can people get in touch with you if they want to, you know, talk to you or engage your services? What's the best way for them to reach out to you?
2: You can pick up the phone and give me a call you can send me an email um we can put this in the show notes because my last name is has a couple of extra consonants uh gabrielle saja c-z-a-j-a so i am gabrielle at Gabrielsaja.com. and um and i'm happy to talk with parents and and field any questions that they have and um yeah we can take it from there
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so educational. I hope all of my listeners enjoyed watching and listening and have a great day.
2: Thanks so much, Francis. It's just been a delight.
0: You've been listening to stress free IEP with your host Francis Schefter. Remember, you do not need to do it all alone. You can reach Francis through SchefterLaw.com, where prior episodes are also posted. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments, and sharing the show with others through YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more.